0: your life one story at a time. This is the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast with
1: Editor-in-Chief Amy Newmark. Hey, it's Amy Newmark, and it's Friend Friday on the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast. And today I'm talking to Dr. Mark Golston. He is a psychiatrist who is also a business advisor, a consultant, a coach, a speaker, and an author. And he also hosts a mental health podcast on the Mental Health News Radio Network. And he's quoted frequently in major media, including The Wall Street Journal, Fortune, Newsweek, Times, CNN, The Today Show. Mark's done some very cool things like training law enforcement in hostage negotiations. And he's quite an expert on trauma and PTSD. In fact, he has a book coming out later this fall about PTSD among frontline workers during the pandemic. He's an expert on handling psychological trauma, which is one of the things we're going to talk about today. So, Dr. Mark Goldston, welcome to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast.
0: Well, thank you for having me on, Amy. I've been looking forward to this for some time.
1: Yeah, I met you through your own podcast, which is called My Wake-Up Call, and you helped me in that podcast understand the science behind storytelling and why it's so important to our mental health. And I know you want to talk about psychological trauma today. What does that actually mean, psychological trauma?
0: Well, psychological trauma means that when you're faced with something that is beyond anything imaginable, what happens is it first shocks your system, and then your mind goes through a feelings of horror, horror meaning I, I, this is horrific, and then it starts to trigger terror. Oh, my God, what am I going to do? And then what happens is... You can either go off the deep end or something in your brain says, don't panic. You're feeling fragile, don't panic. And how psychological trauma works is you can consciously push out the negative thoughts and focus on other thoughts and stay focused on your calendar and your agenda. But what you have to then do is take your feelings underneath the thoughts and repress them. So it's a little bit like taking your feelings and pushing them into a hard disk. And given the danger of the situation, that also triggers an adrenaline rush. And you can run on adrenaline for a certain amount of time. Firefighters have it, veterans have it, healthcare workers. And and what happens, Amy, is you kind of amaze yourself. Geez, I haven't slept in three days and I'm still going in to the hospital and seeing awful things. But down deep, you know something isn't right. Down deep, you know that sooner or later, something isn't right and it may come back to bite you. And then what happens is when the danger starts to settle down, the adrenaline rush starts to go away and the adrenaline rush is what was protecting you. And all the stuff that you push down now wants to come come out. And uh, actually, you'd mentioned we have a book coming out shortly called Why Cope When You Can Heal? How Healthcare Heroes of COVID-19 Can Recover from PTSD. And in that book, we introduce a process called surgical empathy. And surgical empathy, if you can imagine, it's like going into this abscess But instead of it exploding and making you septic psychologically, surgical empathy goes in and and provides a pathway for people to start talking their way through the horror and the terror and the fragility that they felt underneath. And by giving them a pathway to do that, they're able to sort of get this inside out abscess drained and then... They're able to heal from the inside out.
1: All right. So you said first horror, then terror. So I have a couple of questions. Mm -hmm. One question is, you said then you could either go off the deep end or you could not panic and you could just start dealing with it and repressing your feelings of horror and terror. So which is healthier? Allowing yourself to go off the deep end or managing and dealing with it and repressing? And then my second question is, if you're more aware that other people, millions of people perhaps, have gone through the same kind of trauma, is that a way of pre-addressing the trauma and making it hurt you less in the long run?
0: Absolutely. You know, uh, first of all, it is better to not go off the deep end. It is better to function and make it through the danger as best you can safely. But you bring up something and you bring out the the whole foundational thing of the chicken soup for the soul series. So I want to go into that because what happens is when you hear other people's stories and you tell other people your story, you bond with them. You feel close, you feel felt. And what goes on physically in you is there's a surge of something called oxytocin. Oxytocin is the bonding hormone. It's what young mothers have a surge of, so they don't scream at their screaming infants. And high oxytocin, high bonding hormone, counteracts high cortisol. So what happens is when we're under stress, our our brain signals our adrenal gland to pump out cortisol. The cortisol says to our body, get ready physically. So glucose goes up, all kinds of things, which are okay in the short run. But what happens is it sort of agitates your brain. But along with the stress, you get an adrenaline rush. So adrenaline is like natural Adderall inside your body. So when you get an adrenaline rush, you can focus in the same way as Adderall helps an ADD kid focus. But it's short-lived. And the crash off it can cause you to just fall apart. But with Chicken Soup for the Soul, the reason it's so wonderful is when you read other people's stories and you relate to them, you feel connected to people. Plus in the stories, you're also seeing a process of how people got through whatever they were going through. So it's not just the story, just the narrative, there's a process that you, in, that you take in and say, gee, I can see how they got through it. I can relate to this. This will help me get through it. You know, and, and I think that's we really need a resurgence of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series because the world really needs it more than ever now because the world needs to connect with each other.
1: You know what else I think when you have heard stories or read stories about other people going through the same thing, and you start to view yourself as one of millions or tens of millions who've gone through the same thing, then you stop feeling so sorry for yourself and you say, okay, I'm not special. Tens of millions of other people are going through this. And I think if you stop feeling sorry for yourself, it also leads to a more productive way of handling the challenge and you don't feel so personally wounded by it. Well, absolutely,
0: but I'll I'll give you another tweak. If you think of what feeling sorry for yourself is, it's an effort to give yourself compassion for pain, except it's counterproductive. If you think about feeling sorry for yourself, it fills the need, and the need is when you're you're just by yourself and you're not connecting to other people, feeling sorry for yourself is like self-compassion but it's less productive than being connected to other people because there's something about the connection to other people that helps you all feel we're going to somehow get through this.
1: Mm-hmm. We're going to stop for a break. And then we're, when we come back, we're going to talk about Mark's podcast and books and the other ways that you can access his advice. We're back with Dr. Mark Golston, and I want to talk about some of the ways that listeners can access your advice and wisdom. So let's start with your podcast, My Wake Up Call, which helps people deal with their own, not usually pleasant, wake up calls. Well,
0: My Wake Up Call, what it is, is I speak to influential people like yourself and thought leaders And it's not about pushing their platform. It's about introducing the world to them. And my listeners fall in love with my guests because my guests show courageous vulnerability. And I ask people what they're calling, what their purpose is in life. And then what were the wake-up calls that led to it? And they're great stories. And I've had wonderful guests, including Amy Newmark. Recently, I uh, interviewed David Shulkin. He was the secretary of the VA that was under Obama and then got fired by Trump. And I've had Ken Blanchard on, uh, Esther Wojcicki, uh, who has two you know, really high-achieving daughters who seem to run the world in technology, Larry King, Norman Lear. But it's a very personal, conversational interview. It was recently rated as the top inspirational podcast by the UPS stores. I have no idea what kind of list that is, but it was nice to see it. And. Uh, And I'll tell you how I'm using it, Amy, and so make a note of this. I'm using the podcast to introduce my guests to each other. Because as I get to know people, I say, go listen to so-and-so's podcast. I'd like to introduce the two of you, see where it leads. So that's how I'm using it to build a community of people who I think would love to get to know each other.
1: Oh, that's great. And then you have this really cool idea that you told me about. For a LinkedIn live show with counterintuitive tips and doable advice, which are two of my absolute favorite things, counterintuitive tips and doable advice. So has that launched yet? And when will it be coming? It'll be launching soon. It may actually be up.
0: We're still working on it. But the but the idea, uh, <laughs> I was going to call it the CIA show with Dr. Mark Gulson. But that was too cutesy. And CIA was going to stand for counterintuitive, which means I never would have thought of that. Intuitively correct. You know, I think that could work. And A, actionable. I think I can do it. I think that's doable by me. But that may be too cutesy. But the idea is we will have guests on who give nuggets that listeners can use immediately to make their life better. And I'll share some of my own nuggets. So I'm going to give you a quick nugget. here's Here's a tip that you and your listeners can use and it can turn around a relationship in a heartbeat. If you're in an argument with someone and it's escalating, if you can pause instead of reloading and the other person's going to wonder what you're doing because they're expecting you to reload and it's called the FUD CRUD approach and you look at them and you say, you seem frustrated and I think you're holding back. And they're going to go, what? And you say to them and you look at them and everybody will talk about being frustrated. You say, you seem frustrated and I think you're upset and disappointed too. Can you fill me in on those? Because if we can get this up and out, maybe, maybe we don't have to go back there. So it totally flips a conversation because people will talk about being frustrated. If you say to someone, you sound upset, they're going to say, I'm not upset. So you need to work them into it. And then when you, when you enable them to get things off their chest completely, and you get to, and you seem disappointed, what's that about? It'll be a much quieter conversation. And they may even tell you, well, you know, I was disappointed in you, but, you know, I'm disappointed in us. I'm disappointed in this. And can you feel in your mind and heart's eye, Amy, that that's much calmer?
1: Yeah, definitely. When my kids were little, what I would do is if they were arguing with each other, I would make them stand on something like, okay, you each have to stand on a chair before you continue the argument. And then they would start laughing because it was so ridiculous because they were standing on chairs yelling at each other. And it just stopped the whole thing. I love that. So that's going to be the tip when you're a guest on the show. <laughs> it worked really well. And I'm pretty sure they're going to use it with their own children. All right, next thing I want to ask you about, and last thing, because now we're going to be out of time, but I want to talk about your upcoming book about these healthcare workers, these first responders, frontline workers during COVID. Talk about this new book about healing rather than just coping. Yeah, well, it's called Why Coping You Can Heal, How
0: Healthcare Heroes of COVID-19 can recover from PTSD and what we're going to be introducing and you can actually find stuff I've written on it is an approach called surgical empathy and surgical empathy is an approach that I use for 25 years to work with suicidal patients and none of them died by suicide. And what surgical empathy does is instead of throwing advice and solutions at people who are already shut down you open them up, it's like you're opening an abscess that they push down in a way in order to function. And when you open it up in a way that's safe, instead of it exploding, which is what they're afraid of, you drain the pus from way down deep. And then what happens is when they when people feel felt, not just understood, when people feel felt, which is what surgical empathy enables you to do with them, they start to cry with relief. That's different than crying with frustration. They cry with relief. And as they cry with relief, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, they get this huge surge of oxytocin. Their cortisol just goes down uh, to nothing. And as the oxytocin comes in and the crying with relief, they're able to think more clearly.
1: And I think you're validating their feelings too, which sometimes when you don't feel like the person is really listening or really feeling what you're feeling, you don't feel validated and it's just so frustrating. So it sounds like surgical empathy causes the person who's in distress to know that you are validating the feelings that they're having.
0: 100%. You got it.
1: Well, this is great. I'm sure we'll talk again, but I want to thank you for joining us for today, at least. And for all of you who want to know more about the ways that Dr. Mark Golston can help you, here's his website. It's markgolston.com, M-A-R-K, and then Golston is spelled G-O-U-L-S-T-O-N. Mark, thank you so much. Thank you, Amy. I'm Amy Newmark. Thanks for listening, everybody, to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast today. Now, I don't want to traumatize you, but guess what's coming out next week? Our Christmas book. I know it's so early, but that's when the retailers want the books. So I'm going to ease you into it with our next episode, which will be about a couple of stories from our new Christmas book that illustrate the natural generosity of children at Christmas time.